Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Monday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Cat. Cat Arce. Cat Arce. We love Cat Arce. We do. She is with child. She is. And other children and husband. That's true. That not to exclude the rest of y'all. Right. You were clearly included. But she is with child presently and awaiting a new present. Yes. Male child at that. A male child. So there you go. Good job, Luis. That's fantastic. <laughs> go, Luis. Actually, isn't... Well, it, I guess it is. It is dependent on the dad, right? It's dependent on the dad, yes. Danny Mayer. Good job, <laughs> Danny Mayer. Whoa. Shots fired. <laughs> Poor guy. Sniper. Called out. Hey, um... Yeah, it, uh, it's it's Monday. It's Kat's birthday. We're thankful for you, Kat. She's our neighbor. Did you know that? How, how close a neighbor? Like right next door. Wow. Like, do you, remember, did you ever watch Home Improvement growing up? Yes. Yeah, like Wilson. She sometimes does She's that. Wilson. Yeah, she peeks she, over the, she wears a bucket hat and peeks <laughs> over the fence. Howdy, neighbor. I'm not sure Kat appreciates that. Well, we love her. We it's do. Okay. And you know what? It's funny. I, I, love the, I love December birthdays, but I always feel bad for you all. Yep. Because I just think, man, you're going to get a lot of happy birthday, Merry Christmas things. Yeah, happy Chris Happy Christmas day. birthday. Yeah, one of those things. Yeah, Christ day. Uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's sad. But if you're going to have to share a birthday with someone, it might as well be Jesus. That's true. That's a good one to share with. Hey, let's jump into uh, our Bible reading. Okay. Daniel Trace. Daniel chapter three. For Thank those, you for those of you translating ESL that. Speakers. I was so struggling. I was like, Trace. Trace. Yeah. Three. Three. You're all miho, but I've got Trace. I can hold that down. <laughs> okay. All right, Daniel chapter three, um, super, this is like the most felt board story of the entire Bible, I think. I think. What do you mean? Like growing up in Sunday school, hearing the story of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the felt boards, if you ever had that growing up, it's like you had the little characters and anyways. You should try using those one Sunday just to see. <laughs> just throw the felt board up That there. would be kind of cool. Yeah. But this story has been told in so many different ways. I mean, you've got the VeggieTales, Rackshack, and Benny. Um, you've got all these things, but. What happens here? Well, Pastor Rod, you mentioned that the head being gold of, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar kind of inspired this statue. It, but note here, Nebuchadnezzar is, I think, rebelling against the, 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 the rest of the statue because Nebuchadnezzar builds this whole thing out of gold as if to say, I'm not just the head. I'm, I'm all of it. I'm the whole thing. It's me and it's about me. And, uh, and he sets it up in the plain of Dura there, and uh, it's a 90-foot tall statue by 9 feet wide. And we get that from the cubit being about 18 inches there, according to uh, the measurement given by the ESV in the footnote there. So this is a massive statue. And he calls everybody together and says, I'm going to play this, this horrendous noise uh, because everybody's going to play all these instruments at the same time. And there's no way this sounded good. And, uh, and when they heard the noise, everybody was to fall down and worship the image. What if it's a, actually, we, we read it that way, but what if it is like, here, there's a song. Da, 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 da. You know, those and another element here is that it may not be, so I've always been shown that the image was actually of Neb. Like it was a, it was a 90 foot statue of Neb, but it doesn't say that. It just says when it was an image. The image could have been an obelisk, which I, I've heard before. It's, it could, it could just be a long, you know, obelisk. And I guess what's an obelisk? I don't. I can't. I can't even think of an obelisk nearby. The Washington Monument. Okay, the Washington Monument is probably the best one that people would know about. But yeah, could be an obelisk too. Doesn't have to be a whole thing of him. It could, but I. I think it's about him because it is. Oh, gold. Sure, it is. Yes. And Daniel told him, "You Neb are him. gold. Are Th- the head that of gold." That makes sense, right? I track. So, anyways, long story short, they're, they're supposed to worship this thing. In fact, 
count count how many times the word worship or serve because those words are related in Hebrew. Count how many times those v- words show up in this chapter. I think total in the chapter it's fifteen times or thereabouts. But but before you get to the big conflict, there's thirteen times this shows up right in the outset. It's it's undeniable when you read this what this chapter is about. It's about worship. Who are you going to worship? And on the scene are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Where's Daniel? That's the age-old question. Where's Daniel? Well, Daniel, being one of the elevated officials in the kingdom, is like likely on some errand for Nebuchadnezzar. He's been sent somewhere. He's doing something. He's been dispatched. He's not here. Because it's inconsistent to say that Daniel would have been one of the ones falling down, worshiping this image, when we know the rest of the story. So Daniel's away, doing whatever. We don't know. But it's safe to argue that he's away from not everything there. going on. The music plays, these three stay standing. Um, This is amazing, because think about it. Think about how easy it is for us to rationalize compromise. These three, put yourselves in the shoes of these these three. You may be saying, well, God needs us here because, or Daniel needs us here, because if if we die, if we go into the furnace, which there was no doubt what would happen if you disobeyed, you were going to die. And so for them sitting there going, well, God needs us here and he needs us to help Daniel and support Daniel and we can have a positive influence. We'll just fall down. We, our hearts aren't in it. We're not actually going to be worshiping this thing. We're just going to be going along with this so that we can put this behind us. This is dumb. This is stupid. Let's just move on with it. Fall down. Continue on. They're not willing to even do that. They're not willing to rationalize to that level. They're saying, no, we're going to stay standing. We're going to stay standing. How easy is it for us to compromise and to rationalize our compromise? And to, to, to argue into how, well, it was necessary for me to do this because God can't afford to lose me in my workplace. Mm. I've got to be in my workplace because if, if I lose my job, well, well then, or here's another one that we deal with young people dating an, uh, an unbeliever and refusing to break off that relationship, which is an ungodly relationship because your thought is, well, if I break up with them, then they won't be saved. God will never grab hold of their life and, and save them. Mm-hmm. These are ways that we rationalize compromise that here you see an example of this is pure integrous devotion to God. And this is what we're after. This is what we need is these three that stay standing. The rest of the story, you guys probably know because it is so familiar. They stand up, they bow up before the king and say, we don't need to tell you why we're not going to do this. Play your music. We're still not going to do it. King gets super mad, throws them in a furnace that's so hot that the people throwing them in the furnace die from proximity of the flames. They're fine because the one like the son of man. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Who is that? Pastor Rod, who is that? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. It's it's an angel at best, or at worst, it's an angel at minimum. <laughs> yeah, at minimum is a good, at that's minimum. A, that's the yeah, one you want. That's use. the way I want to say it. At minimum, it's an angel. It's possibly Christ. It's possibly the pre-incarnate Jesus that's right. there. But this 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 envoy from Yahweh saves them, preserves them, such that they come out of the fire and there's not even the smell of smoke on them. Dude, I had a, that's an impressive. I had a fire in my driveway last night. Like I'm still smelling it today. I, I showered. You do I, smell like smoke right now. Do I? Yeah. Yeah. I can smell it all the way. Over I don't now. even know. I don't even know why. I've showered. I've changed clothes. Like, mm, and I wasn't. I wasn't in the fire. Did you? Like, use I soap? didn't. I didn't get in it. Did you use warm the, water? The flames. I did. Was the soap organic? It was not. I'm not crunchy, dude. Give me all the chemicals. Like, just flush my body with it and whatever. I will, I will, yeah. I use deodorant that comes in the stick that that makes me not sweat, too. Like, I know. I know. I'm going to, everything is going to happen to me. All the bad stuff that all the mom blogs write about is going to happen to me. You're going to be a thousand years old. You're going to be so well-preserved. All the chemicals. Hey, I'm impressed by the fact that these guys, I like, I where do these guys come from? Like, who are these people? 
Uh, th- How about they, their parents, dude? That's exactly what I'm getting at. They, th- these guys clearly had s- someone, whether the parents or some religious leadership, are clearly working in their lives to give them a backbone that's willing to stand up against the harshest of potential threats. For sure. Burning alive. I mean, that's about as gnarly as you can get. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be burned alive, but I have thought about it. And I think it would be awful. And yet they're willing to say, you know, if, if you're going to do that, then fine. God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, let it be known we're not bowing. Yeah, I, I would honor and esteem the parents and whoever their youth pastors are behind the scenes. Man, they, they crushed it. Well done. Well done. Good job, team. Well, the impact is, is great on Nebuchadnezzar. He, uh, he announces there's no God who's able to rescue in this way. There's these statements, and we're going to hit on that. In fact, uh, chapter four, we're going to hit on this. Um, and this is a good transition. Was ne- Nebuchadnezzar a God fearer? Did Nebuchadnezzar, do we see the salvation of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel? I'm going to argue no. I don't think we do. <gasps> and chapter four, he makes some amazing statements about God. But remember, this is a, a, a uh, what's the poly, polytheistic? Thank, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate your You're help. You're welcome. This is a polytheistic culture and religion and, and world. And so for them to praise one God was not to praise one God to the exclusion of all the other gods. Uh, for them to magnify one God and, and to use flowery language the way that Nebuchadnezzar does about the God of Israel was not to say that he was now all of a sudden a follower of the God of Israel. Um, they respected the power of gods, but fear of the power of gods is different than faith in the God. Uh, and I think in chapter four, as you get another dream here, uh, and the second dream terrifies Nebuchadnezzar, he's even willing in chapter four to tell the dream to the, the magicians this time. He's not trying to, to, to test them anymore. He's saying, here's my dream. Tell me what this means. None of them can do it. And he finally calls Daniel and Daniel comes in and, and Daniel lays it out for him. But all this to say, Nebuchadnezzar then has the, the fulfillment of the dream. He doesn't listen to Daniel's call for repentance there towards the end of the chapter. He says, look at me, look at how great I am. I built Babylon. The, the, the dream hits him. He goes out and lives as a wild animal for seven years. That's seven periods of time. That's what it means there. And then finally his senses return to him. He's restored and he's praising God. But again, guys, I don't think this is a saved Nebuchadnezzar. I think this is still an evil, wicked human being who God humbled because God's flexing on the, the human power of Nebuchadnezzar. And that message gets across. God at least does humble the king, but I don't think he breaks his heart over his sin and leads him to faith. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. There's 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 scant evidence that he is responding appropriately in its fullest sense. There is some appropriate response. It's like a, a kid being spanked or there being some kind of disciplinary consequences to a young person and they they respond appropriately for a season, but that does that mean they're Christian? Well, not necessarily. So I think Neb here just shows the kind of humility that's expected. Whenever any of us are disciplined by God, there should be appropriate humility. So I agree. I think that's still a, a helpful approach. So this thing that happens to Nebuchadnezzar, I read one commentator that said, well, this is boanthropy. This is something that, that is known. There's, there's records, there's situations of this happening. Pastor Rod, what are your thoughts on when we try to take something in the Bible like this, which clearly God is behind, and we try to connect a, 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 a natural understanding, a, a label or a disease or something like this to try to explain something that we're seeing unfold in the pages of Scripture? Yeah, you and I were just talking about this the other day when we were driving, remember? We were talking about uh, schizophrenia and whether or not that is a demonic possession or whether there's just a natural thing happening in the brain where it's going right. fritz. And the short answer is, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, the, maybe uh, it's God's world. It, God designed it. So the complexity of it, it's interactions. God clearly knows those things. And I would suspect that even in the old Testament times uh, when they had much less access to information that we do, 
Um, they still have probably had smart people who are saying, well, hold on a second. That's probably not the spiritual thing. That's, a, that's another thing. I mean, Luke, the physician, a physician, mm-hmm. he's a guy who, who diagnoses physical maladies. He still records uh, demonic possessions and things of that nature. So is, is it possible? Well, yes. But don't make the mistake of simply thinking that because we label something that we understand something. Being able to give it a name doesn't mean that we've understood and comprehensively and categorically have denied the fact that there's any spiritual uh, elements of interaction. So today, when we encounter people with schizophrenia or voices in their head or anything like that, if they're, they're uh, you know, Tourette's, if they have Tourette's, I don't automatically assume, oh, you have a broken brain. Here, take this pill. You know, pr- let me prescribe you this process, and suddenly it's over and done with. No, I think the world is far more complex than we give it credit for. And just because you have a name doesn't mean you have an understanding. I still rely on Scripture to, to, to diagnose and to lead me in understanding what we see around. Yeah, I think that's helpful and, and good. One thing we can conclude, no matter what, in Daniel 4, is God is the actor here. This is not something that is passively befalling Nebuchadnezzar randomly. This is God bringing this about in Nebuchadnezzar's life. One way or the other. Uh, one thing about Nebuchadnezzar's praise, I think that's notable, is uh, is how similar it is to Isaiah 40. Uh, when you look at verses 34 and 35, it's uh, it's crazy, especially when you get to verse 35. It, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. I mean, that's almost verbatim from Isaiah. He does according to his will among the host of heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay his hand or say, what have you done? So it's, it's interesting. Uh, part of me wonders if the, the literature of the Babylonians contained maybe some of, of Isaiah's writings there, or if this is just evidence of the fact that God is God and reveals himself as God to both pagan and, and, and Israelite Jew at that time alike, that, that he's the same God and, and both are drawing the same conclusion should be an encouragement to us that, that this is evident, that, that this is plain from what Nebuchadnezzar is, is finding to see here. Yeah, in chapter 7, a few, uh, few chapters later, the same terminology here, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Uh, that shows up again. Yep. And that's that's from the mouth of God. That's not Nebuchadnezzar. So I, it's clearly God, God does do something here. Yeah. But whether or not it's a salvific doing, that's to be debated. Yeah. Debated. Yeah. First John 3. I'm there. First John 3, we we, uh, we didn't touch on this. Uh, and, and it's, again, an unfortunate chapter division there. Uh, which I love how the ESV is like, we're, we're not even going to, we're, we're just going to do something different. We're going to put our chapter title above uh, verse 28 of chapter two, two and break it apart and make it very clear that we disagree <laughs> with that. I appreciate that. The editors here. I appreciate it. Uh, he's dealing with, again, little children. This is a, a, a common title now for John. It's a, it's a term of endearment. And he is encouraging these, uh, these, these believers that he's writing to, to abide in Christ so that when he appears, we might sh- not shrink from him in shame. That's what we were talking about in the last, uh, last episode a little bit that, uh, that we need to be ready for his return because it is the last hour. And so what does that mean? Well, look at verse two. We are God's children. Now what we will be as yet to be known, uh, as yet to appear. But when he does appear, meaning Jesus, we will be like him because we shall be, we shall see him and be like him because we'll see him as he is. And then he says this, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Our hope in the return of Christ, Christians, should be a sanctifying hope. Uh, we, we should think about the return of Jesus, and thinking about the return of Jesus should create in us a desire to be more godly, to be less sinful, to battle sin in our life, to rid sin from our lives, because we know that when he comes, we want to be like him. And when he comes, we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. Well, let's close that gap as much as we possibly can. We can never fully close that gap. There's a teaching in the church called uh, perfectionism, um, Keswick theology and some other areas. Uh, uh, which will, looks like Keswick. Which looks like Keswick. Some branches of Wesleyanism will teach uh, perfectionism. In fact, Charles Wesley believed in 
perfectionism. He himself said, I'm not there. I'm far from it, but mm-hmm. I do believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't teach that, nor do we believe that, that it's possible to be sinless while we are here on earth in our fallen bodies. But let's do the best that we can to close the gap between who we are now and who we will be when Christ returns, Lord willing. And we're going to do that by the, the, the grace of God at work in our lives. And that's where he goes from here is he, he basically moves on from here to these verses that, that send chills down people's throats or spines. That's the word. <laughs> and throats. <laughs> if you're drinking something cold, it's like, oh man, that's good. It's cold down my throat. <laughs> what, when it says there that, that no one who keeps on sinning can be a, a Christian. Well, if we understand this in light of what he's talking about, he's talking about why did Christ come? Christ came to deal with sin, to take sin off the, the, the road, the, the, uh, the, the words off the table. Thank you uh, for Christians. And so as such, as, as Christians, we should be doing all we can to rid sin from our lives. It's inconsistent for us to say we love Jesus and to keep on sinning. And that's kind of John's message here. You can't say, man, I love Jesus who came to deal with sin and to remove sin from from our lives and from our accounts and yet persist in sinning. There's something that doesn't measure up there. Yeah, and I think that there's significance in the way that he phrases it. No one who, uh, everyone who makes a practice of sinning. It's the idea of pattern. A, a pattern, right. We, we might use the word peripateo, which is the Greek word that underlies the word walk. Don't walk in this way. And when you understand the word walk as being a pattern, a way of life, Christians don't do that. Do Christians fall into sin and, and, and I guess well, I don't want to put it this way, but accidentally sin all, all the time. Uh, we sin in, in a lot of ways, and this is not denying that. This is saying that Christians distinctively uh, deny themselves of sin. They, they put to death sin, as, as, uh, as the great, uh, what's his name, said. <laughs> now you've affected me. Thank you. Yep. Uh, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That's what he said. Thank you very much. Sin and temptation. That's, yeah. that's the work. So the idea here is, is that, and that's why we're, we are the kind of Christian that we are. We don't deny the fact that we're sinners, but we also don't excuse it and say, well, then it's all grace, don't worry about it, throw your hands in the air and just live however you want, wave them like you just don't care. No, we want you to fight sin. We want you to be aggressive about your sanctification because scripture calls you to do that. Right. Jesus came to empower you to do that very thing. And so we are adamant that you should, as a Christian, fight sin. And that's consistent with being a Christian. And in fact, it gives evidence and testimony of your Christianity, but it does not make you a Christian. It means that it means that you are God's working in you, but your Christianity comes from the fact that you've been saved by grace through faith. Right, right. Even in our, our language, right, how we talk about a, a sin in our lives. How many times have, have you said, "Man, I'm, I'm struggling with this sin," or somebody said, "I'm struggling with this sin"? I think there's a different way for us to approach that, even in our language, that can communicate the right approach, which is we should say, "Man, I'm, I'm battling this sin. I'm fighting this sin." Uh, I'm not. We can struggle passively in in the sense that it's happening to us as Christians. We can't allow, allow sin to be something that happens to us that we just let be there. We want to be engaged as Pastor Rod was just saying in battling it. Then he he shifts gears here to our love for others as another evidence of, and another test of our, uh, our our identity in Christ. And and it may seem like, man, this is a a left turn. Uh, He's talking about sinning and then he's talking about loving other people. What's the connection there? Well, what is the greatest commandment? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, right? Therein is the idea of our godliness, our holiness, our sanctification, our obeying God. What's the second greatest commandment? It's like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So our love for God should overflow into a love for other people. And he's saying, look, if you have a love for God that's not right, then you're going to see sin in your life. There's going to be unbattled sin in in the camp. Likewise, if you have a love for God and, and yet you, you're not loving other people, there's a problem in that love for God ca- camp as well. So this is another reason why John's introducing this concept saying, 
hey, we need to love others the way that we've been loved. We need to love others, not just in, in word or deed, but he says, but or word of talk, but also in deed and truth, because therein lies uh, some assurance for us, which is what he talks about there in verses 19 and following. Yeah, and right on the heels of that, I, I really appreciate the way that John says this in verse 23. Uh, notice he says, and this is his commandment. The commandment right there is a singular term. It is a commandment. But as Jesus does, he identifies the commandment in two ways. He says, first, here's the commandment, that we believe in the name of, of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. It's funny because there's two commands there, believe and love, and yet John doesn't distinguish them. He doesn't say there's two things, they're one. Yeah. And that's the way Christianity works. When we yeah. believe in him, we trust him, when we follow him, he births love in us, and our job is to exercise the love that we ourselves have received. Yep, yep. Well, hey, we love you guys, and we're grateful for you tuning in again with us for another episode, and we'll catch you again tomorrow for one more. See you then. At least. One more? Is this, is this goodbye? I'm not prophetic. Okay. See well, you. I mean, like, one. It's it's another one. It's okay. one more. All right. We'll All see right. you guys then. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.